Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Here in Adoption Now, we want to tell real stories. We want to tell the truth about adoption, and we want to help families. We want to talk about adoption now, nowadays. And with so many interracial families, we really want to address what's going on in our world now, dealing with racism. It's not easy for interracial families right now to find a roadmap on what stance to take, or even if we should take a stance. So today, we're so honored to have Dr. Jason Richardson with us. He's a psychologist, a keynote speaker, corporate trainer, world champion, gold medal athlete, and the author of the book, It's All BS, We're All Wrong and You Are Right. Welcome, Dr. Jason. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So that's a huge list of a lot of success. I didn't really, I didn't, it sounded long when you said it, but it, you know, I've, I'm no spring chicken. I've been around the block a few times. So, um, it's, it's just the story. It's just kind of how, how my life went. So tell us a little bit about your background. I started my professional career as I raced BMX bikes for 15 years. And rather than uh, getting a, a traditional job out of college, I, I just kind of took what I did as a, as a kid and, and, it evolved into a professional bicycle racing career. Uh, so when I graduated college, I was able, I had a full career at a professional contract and I was able to, you know, live a grown up life, purchase a home and have a, have a decent car and, and all those things uh, right out of college. So I, I, I really had a great head start uh, with some, in some regards professionally. And then from there, I always kept going to school. So I, I like to say that I, I kept racing, so that I can go to school. And I, I, I went to school so I, so I could keep racing. Uh, went on to get my MBA. And then uh, in 2006, I had an accident. I broke my femur, my leg. That's the big bone in, in your leg. Right. And uh, I think my second or third race back um, from that injury, I, I happened to sit next to a couple coming from a conference. And they were, uh, the husband was a psychologist. The wife was an MFT. And uh, I had done work with a sports psychologist and my major in college was philosophy. So I had no problem with writing or thinking about deep things. <laughs> and, uh, it would it just seemed like a natural progression for me to take, um, all of my experience as an athlete, uh, and then mix it with my business background and then, you know, become a psychologist myself, but then use that to, to get out into the world and speak and train, and then obviously work with, work with, um, high level performers. So, so here we are. I'll tell you what, that is a huge rap sheet, and I'm so happy that we found you. Uh, you are exactly what our family needed. My husband and I adopted two African-American children, a little boy and a little girl, and we also have a Colombian little girl. And our family is a wonderful mix, so finding you was great because your family is also a mix, correct? Yes. Um, my family, and I come from a, a mixed family, so just to give a little more background. So my, and I was born in New Jersey. So I, I just, and, and this will hopefully all make sense as we, as we have more conversations. I was born in New Jersey and my father, my father's black. He's from Charleston, South Carolina. My mom is Pakistani. Now her mother 
my mom, my grandmother is from Armenia, and my grandfather on my mom's side is Indian from India. There, there technically wasn't a Pakistan uh, back when my grandparents were um, alive, so it's a relatively new country, I believe, since maybe the 1940s or something. So that's that's that. And then my wife is from Iran. Her parents are from Iran. So my wife was born in Iran, but raised here. She lived. She moved to the U.S. when she was about four years old, uh, and they speak Farsi. Uh, and our kids even attend Farsi school on Sundays to their um, dismay. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yes, I I have I've lived uh, and yeah, I've, and my, and by the way, so so very 80s. My 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 father and mother uh, were divorced when I was young, and so I always had a a family where there was. You know, I always had a stepfather and a stepmother and stepsisters and step. So I've lived as an only child, an oldest child, a youngest child, a middle child. So I mean, it's kind of like uh, the Huxtables meets Brady Bunch meets, <laughs> you know, after school special. Well, then you have a lot of advice for us because you're living it. You have a lot in your background, um, not only an interracial family, but just a mixed family filled with lots of different parents and parenting styles and kids. And the reason why we connected with you so much is, you know, in this world today, I think, um, as an interracial family, and we use that in Colorado, um, just to say, you know, there's just a, a cultural mix. And um, it's kind of a struggle for a lot of families right now, just with everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter. And we want to take a stance, but we don't know what stance to take. And I had a lady say to me, so how do you feel, a Caucasian lady said to me, so how do you feel that my son, if he was in a sweatshirt, and your son, if he was in a sweatshirt, you know, her son's white and my son's black, your son would be shot? Wow, that's a pretty strong statement. That was pretty strong. Um, and, you know, my, my son it was little at the time, and so what is your advice in that circumstance? Well, first, you know, I... I, I <laughs> wow. So my advice is, Here's the thing. I don't necessarily know that that's the truth, um, that your son would be shot because he's wearing a sweatshirt. I can say I look at it from a business perspective as well as a social dynamic perspective because I'm not sure that the system itself is racist, which I think the system gets a lot of gets a bad rap for. I think maybe the system in the 60s and the 50s and the 40s and obviously pre pre those years was probably set up a bit and was probably a bit skewed, but I don't even know if it's the system as much as it was the people in the system. So we can't legislate thought and, and believe me, there are people who are trying and, you know, it would be nice if uh, people didn't have hate in their hearts and it would be nice if people uh, didn't, weren't as judgmental, uh, at least negatively judgmental as, as, they can be. However, it, it, it's, it's just a responsibility thing for me. So um, the problem I have with some of the Black Lives Matter stuff is it's, it's only aimed at, a, it's, it's aimed at the police or the establishment. Meaning it's not aimed at black lives in general, meaning so, so, you know, you, you can bring up statistics from Chicago, 
um, and, and actually most crime statistics where, where, you know, most homicide is, is within race. Um, right. You know, they, you know, the people complain, you know, a, a complaint about black lives matter is there's dis there's a disproportionate amount of, of black, uh, black people in jail or, or black arrests. And, and so, but, but no one's saying, well, did they do the crime? Did they act? And I'm not saying that there, there isn't unjust, People, there, you know, there isn't unjust uh, things that happen. Yes, there are some bad apples in every batch, for sure. White, black, or indifferent in, in the police force or not. However, I just don't think it's kind of the system is set up that way. It, it can't be. And that's, that's only because there are black police officers. There's black military and Latino and Asian. And, and you know, it just keeps on going and going and going. And so... Um, you know, but no one's getting on. It, it, there's a responsibility. I look at, you know, if I if I look at things historically, and, and my parents, my stepmother and my dad, they went to historically black colleges. Why were those black colleges there? That was because there was a time when it was more difficult for a black person to get into a Harvard or even a, a state school, and and those black colleges are actually struggling now. Why? Because. Black Everybody has opportunity. Yes, yeah, right. Because the opportunities are are you know have have grown and gotten broader. Um, so from a historical perspective, I think it's a bit sad because I you know I, I you know I've, I've placed my heart for for HBCs for sure. But at the same time, like we've come a long way. And then you know my other argument to to this to the Black Lives Matter and this you know systemic racism problem, I think okay, well. We have a black president. He's mixed, but he, you know, he claims black mostly, and, and black people claim him as black, but and that's fair. Um, and he clearly is if you look at the color of his skin. But we have a black president. We have a congressional black national. I think it's congressional black caucus or something like that. But then we have met, you know, you know, there's there's a Cory Booker, there's a there's a uh, Bobby Jindal, there's there's all these people of color with immense political power, right? right? We're not just talking some some alderman in some small town, right? This, this is immense political power. We're talking congressmen and congresswomen and senators and presidents. And it, to me, if the system is racist and we have these people of power, then either they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing or maybe it's not the system. Maybe Maybe part of it is us. So back to the hoodie and the sweatshirt, you know, I, I bring up Tupac, who I, hip-hop artist, died tragically, one, shot by another black person. And some people probably think he might still be alive, but that's a whole other art. That's a whole Conspiracy other theory. <laughs> right. But, but what did he have, you know, as smart as he was, I'm, I'm going to fry for saying this, but as smart as he was, what did he have tattooed on his chest? Thug life, right? He had thug life tattooed on his chest. And so, and, and, what, and what do a lot of these people tend to wear, right? They tend to wear the Dickies. They tend to wear, you know, there's a certain uniform they tend to wear. Right. The, the Converse and Dickies and the hoodies. And I, I, I mean, I like hoodies. I don't wear them. Why? Because it does send a specific message. It's like if, you, if I walk into a job interview with um, ripped jeans 
and a dirty T-shirt, that's going to send a message than if I wore a suit and tie. It just is. Right. I totally agree with that. Right. And and I can even I can even get it off of the Black Lives Matter. Let's not even go race. Let's go the other end. Let's go with the goth emo kid. And they have this, you know, they, they have, they're wearing all black and, you know, piercings everywhere. And then they have the nerve to say, what are you looking at? Well, I'm looking at you because you have, because you, because you're, you look, you know, you have all this tasty white stuff on your face and you right. have these piercings everywhere in your face. So yes, I'm looking at you. So these are the, and that's a responsibility. So my point is, and it's sad because a hoodie, it's just a hoodie. I get it. But there, but there is a responsibility. And if, and if I'm working with an athlete, I, I prepare them for whatever it is, whether it's a bike race or a football game or whatever. And, and I know the best players are looking at film. Why? Because they want to know their side is playing. So we don't know that all cops are racist or not. Matter of fact, we don't know that in any situation. However, if someone might be racist or if someone treats you unprepared, I mean, um, I mean, unfairly, then isn't it your responsibility to be prepared? And I mean, not from the standpoint of we have to fight and, you know, you know, shove it in their face, but just from the standpoint of like, okay, you know, recognize that, that this person it, it's the person yes. that you're dealing with that right. might have the the skewed perception, not necessarily you. And by the way, like it's unfortunate, but that's their hate. That's that's they're carrying that in their heart. Right. So we have to take a break. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I could talk to you forever okay. in this segment about it. I could talk forever too. I know. And I do agree with you that there is a responsibility. And we want to know as Caucasian parents, as white parents, we want to know what that responsibility is. We have experienced racism. We're not denying that at all. Um, we've experienced it from African-Americans, from Caucasians, Asians, Africans from Africa. I mean, you walk around with a family that looks like ours and people stop you and say the nicest things and the craziest things. But we want to know how to teach our children so that they can grow up and aspire to do something great. And they're not afraid that if they wear their hoodie that they're going to be shot or if they get pulled over, they're going to be instantly shot. So we're going to talk more about it when we come back. Um, and if you want to hear more from Dr. Jason, you can visit him at drjasonrichardson.com. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. Lamar's listening to the Mighty 670 KLT Denver. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Adoption Now. We've been talking to Dr. Jason Richardson, a psychologist, keynote speaker, corporate trainer, world champion, and a gold medal athlete. He also wrote an awesome book called It's All BS, We're All Wrong, and You Are Right. It's a great book on belief systems. And a lot of times people don't even realize that they have a belief system, but we all do. And so really, he's a motivational speaker to help you change that, to challenge that. How do you become successful? And after talking to him and meeting him, I just feel like I want my children to know him and know his family because he's overcome a lot. We are doing a show right now on raising an inner uh, interracial family and how to do that successfully and how to not fall into the world's fear and how to not also deny that there is racism. Dr. Jason, can you just speak into that a little bit? I know some of my my colleagues and friends that have adopted and, and they're Caucasian, they are really feeling pressured to get their children in uh, cultural experiences from their backgrounds. Not necessarily, hey, this is our family, but how do I teach my son to be a strong black man? And they just feel this pressure. And so they're speaking out about all, you know, Black Lives Matter and they're, just furious that people are getting shot and they're just emotionally charged. What do we do in the situation? Yeah. So, uh, and I want to push back a little bit. What's the difference between a strong black man and a strong man? That's good. I think right because, now everybody's uh, seeing color. Well, when I first adopted. Right, well, and, and, well the, the problem I have with that statement, cause I hear it. Right. Um, I hear, I hear black people. I'm a strong black man. It's like, that, that saddens me a bit because that almost presupposes the fact that there's a lot of black men who aren't. And, that, and that's, that's kind of a belief, right? And so I, I think, you know, especially with adoption, I, and I'm sorry, I think, um, you know, I have a really good friend, uh, black, and he, he adopted by two white parents. I have, uh, I worked with, with a colleague of mine. He adopted two, two young black children and and I, I, you know, and, and having been a psychologist for years and, and I, and I work in the system, you know, so, so I, yes, I do the corporate thing and I work with the athletes and I'm headed to the Olympics, but on my way to getting there, I had to, I was in the trenches. So I worked in the system. I, I see how it works. And I got to tell you, as far as adoptions concerned and kids who, and adopted kids, it, it, the race thing is, it's a thing, but it's not, it's not one of the biggest things on the list. I mean, you know, we're dealing with, with huge issues of, of abandonment, uh, betrayal, safety, um, attachment. That's the real stuff. Thank you. Like, Thank like, you. Like, like that's, those are real that's, issues. That's what I know, say that's too. That's the real thing that, which kind of transcend color. I think the best thing any parent can do is love on your kids. Love on them. And I'm not saying love at them. I mean love on them. Um, my love on my kids is probably a little little more stringent than, than, than most. I, I tend to be uh, – I actually tend to be a, a stickler um, for, for standards and stuff like that in my home. But, but love on them. And, 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 and by the way, those things will come up. But I don't think we need to go out of our way to say, oh, yes. Son, the world is going to treat you a certain way because you are X. Or the world is going to treat you a certain way. I, 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 think, I think that's kind of, I think they might learn, they might be, because one, my world, 
I'm 42, is different than the, my son's world, who, you know, and he's coming up in. I, and I'm looking. I'm, you know, because of my experience, I'm looking. I'm looking for, for those things that he might, you know, that I might have experienced. I'm looking for the things that he's experiencing that I might have experienced. Excuse me. Sorry, it took me so long to get that out. And, and I'm not seeing it. However, I'm paying attention. And should it come up, well, then, yeah, we can have an open, candid conversation about hate in general and people who are unhappy in general and how people misperceive what other people are based on race or, or certain things of that nature. And so, and so that, that's where I begin the conversation is let's, let's raise strong, capable kids in general. And I think that that will help transcend this race thing. And by the way, you know, from a brain standpoint, it's not, it's, you know, so, so a lot of this, this kind of division, or I wouldn't say division, but this, this, this categorizing is part of what the brain does anyway. It just to make sense of the world, the yellow bus, the red car, the, the tall person, the short person, the redhead, the black kid. So, so, so a lot of times it's not always malicious either. And that's another thing that I think everyone needs to step back and say, okay, you, you know, if you, if you just take race out of it and you actually, you know, how do you describe the car you want? How do you describe the house you want? How do you describe your ideal mate? <laughs> you know, it's, it's through these, these indicators, which, which, not, which don't necessarily say who that person is, they're just descriptors, right? It's, 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 um, dare I say a type, but part of it is just your brain's way of trying to make sense of the world. What happens is when that's, when that becomes skewed or that, or, or that you think, um, you know, there's, there's a hierarchy based on a certain race or color or, uh, you know, whatever that may be, you know, there is, Technically, there are no races. There's one race, and it's the human race. Um, and it was by that woman who did that experiment um, in a school where, where she, she did an experiment with, with, with blue-eyed children and brown-eyed children, and, and then she kind of went back the next day and reversed it. And she, she's, she's actually quite, uh, quite a great speaker on these, on these subjects. So I think, I think all of us, not just, you know, not just uh, yeah, all of us, white, black, and otherwise just, just need to back off of this for a minute and, and focus locally and internally with ourselves. And that's, that's my job as a psychologist, and I, and I feel it's beginning to be my job socially is to hold up this mirror because when we get ready in the morning, you know, it, it's very difficult to, to comb our hair when we can't see it. And so when we can see what's going on, then it's like, okay, now I can start making some changes. And I think there's a there's some people on, uh, unfortunately, you know, the Black Lives Matter that don't want to see that, don't want, don't want the beer held up because, yes, it's not okay for uh, an innocent person to be killed by a cop. It is not okay. By the way, it's not okay for an innocent person to be killed by anyone, right? White or black. How about that? And that's that's the piece that I think is a bit disingenuous about it. So. When it comes to adoptive parents um, who, who may adopt somebody out, uh, of, of a different color from a different country, the best thing you can do um, is 
if, if you want to immerse them culturally, great. There's a lot of rich things from many different cultures. And, and if that kid is, you know, if that kid happens to be black or happens to be Asian or happens to be like, you know, of course we want, we want to um, try to infuse those things as we can in a, in a real authentic way. But I think to go out of our way and say that, you know, this, you know, you're going to somehow have a rougher life because, uh, you know, I just think that conversation, at least for my generation, is trained, has, has, is starting to change. Right. I think one of the, um, just one of the things that I like, and this is in your book, and your book is so good, just on perspective and really going for it and teaching a next generation to go for it. And as adoptive parents, we have the privilege of really working with our children to get them to attach, to get them to, um, you know, walk them through that abandonment and help them feel loved. And then adding a piece on that feels heavy, or like I have to take a a stand into something that um, I don't even feel like I, I, I'm even educated enough to take a stand on or all this pressure to do something that's not natural for us, that's where I think we get out of our element. And so taking it a day at a time, one of the things that I love also using the word privileged is I was talking to some friends and they said, oh, April, like everything you say is so white privilege. And I thought, well, that just kind of really degrades almost everything I'm saying because yeah, I get it. I, I get it. I'm I'm white and it's it's I I've have some privileges in some areas, but how I view it is every person has some privilege. They're privileged in some area of their life and really finding out their purpose, which is where you go with it a lot deeper, is finding your child's purpose in life. It doesn't really matter about race or anything. It matters that they know themselves, that they um, are gifted in certain things. And so when you're gifted and everybody's different, you are privileged. Wouldn't you say that that's true? Yeah, I do think it's true. I was privileged because I was, I was a fast runner and I translated that those fast feet on the bicycle, you know, living in Carlsbad, California, there's plenty of people of quote unquote privilege that are doing a good job, uh, throwing that privilege away, whether they got involved in drugs whether they, you know, they, they, they're, they're lazy, uh, hooked on video games or, or, or they, you know, they just don't believe in themselves to, to perform as well as maybe their parents did and, and vice versa. So it, it's kind of interesting, you know, people, people tend to think that, I don't know, I think it's just, it's just a very simplistic way of looking at something like, well, because you were born into a certain uh, race or certain amount of money that you you might have you might have some advantages, but that doesn't mean the game is I mean but the game is far from over, and and it doesn't guarantee anything. These are the perspectives I like to introduce into these discussions, especially race discussions, because it just it tends to get so everything gets tends to get tends to get overgeneralized. Ever oh yeah overgeneralized. It's so true. I am so glad that you were on the show today to encourage myself and other families. And I just hope that you keep that message going and stay strong um, and just really overcome so many things in people's lives and in your lives. And I mean, you're just a big success. And I just appreciate you taking the time to be on here. Well, I do appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. 
If you'd like to hear more from Dr. Jason, you can visit drjasonrichardson.com or visit our Facebook page for more information. Don't forget, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes under Adoption Now. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.